Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Red Inco. I'm Jared Kimber. This podcast has adverts, but if you prefer your podcast without, in the show notes you'll see the link to my Patreon page and you can listen to our chats uninterrupted. Patreon also comes with many other benefits as well, including a Discord channel and private chats with me. But now, the show. This episode of Red Inca, we talk about whether other teams could play baseball. For that, we get a South African writer onto the show. My name is Daniel Gallen. I'm a freelance sports journalist. We talk about why Jason Holder said poor teams can't try it. Risking it all when you barely play tests in the first place. The West Indies T20 style against the Red Bull. Why it means more than just whacking. And how it could force teams to think different about tests. Jason Holder believes that basketball won't work for non-Big 3 teams. And I kind of get his general points. But if you could explain what he's saying, and then I think I will discuss why I think he's wrong. Ah, okay. That's an interesting way to start a conversation. Because uh, actually, I agree with a lot of what Jason believes. So I spoke to Jason Holder before the first of two tests between South Africa and the West Indies. And we started the conversation about how you prepare for a two-match series and, and how, as a West Indian test cricketer, you gear up and, and you hone your skills in a first-class system that only offers five or six games. Mm-hmm. and you only play six tests a year. How can you be any good at, at this, especially as a batter? Um, a bowler, that's one thing, you can hit your length. But, but how, how do you build that consistency in, into your run getting, which the greats of yesteryear were afforded, right? Okay, so we, start, we started with that. And then I said, well, you know, the English seem to do it. So are you saying it's because of the amount of cricket they play? He said, yes. And he says, if, and if you said, if you look at baseball, only England... Australian India can play baseball be- because if you're a batter and you go out and you've got six tests, forget the job security and the financial reward. You know, West Indian cricketers earn, I think, a third per test of what an English cricketer earns. If you're a West Indian cricketer and you're not playing on the T20 franchise circuit, you're not earning a lot of money. And there's only six tests a year. You really got to play every single one of those tests. So that's 12 innings that you got. If you're facing a Kakisa Rabada and Marco Janssen, for example, in South Africa, and the ball's bouncing and, and, and hooping around. Not so much hooping, but seeming around. You can't afford to be a bit reckless. You can't say, I might fail. I might do a Zach Crawley, for example, and fail for six games. Because that's all you got. You've only got those six games. So 
it, it almost forces you to play a little within yourself. This is what Jason Holder says, and I, and I believe that there is some merit to his argument, that you, you're going to look to play with a high elbow. You're going to look to be technically correct. You can't bazzball it about the show because your second chances are so limited. And because you are conscious of this, if you're just going to sit there and try and play with a high elbow to Kizu Rabada, he's eventually going to get you out, especially because you haven't had that time to hone your technique over the course of an 18-county season and the course of, of, of a 13-test-year season, for example. So he says that these batting collapses, this gap between the haves and the have-nots in cricket are going to increase. If India and Australia want a baseball, they've got the opportunity to do so, but no one else can do it. Okay. There's some very sensible stuff that he said in there, and it makes a lot of sense. The problem with his overall concept, though, is that the England batters were not exactly batting particularly well before baseball, even though they had all of those advantages available to them. And so what they did was, is they decided that they were going to start batting in a white ball setup, which all the players that he's talking about from the other countries actually already do, mm. right? And in some cases, you would say that England, maybe not so much India, but England and Australian cricketers probably play, this is going to sound weird, but too much red ball cricket, in order to fully convert to a new style. Whereas if you are outside of your Chandra Paul Brathwaite type players, but if you're Jermaine Blackwood, Jermaine Blackwood was bas bowling when there was no bas bowling, right? Like essentially he hit seamers over the top early on. And so from that perspective, I think he's missing that side of it. I agree with the whole idea of if you fail, you will go. But if the whole team, and we are, to, it has to be a whole team thing because England didn't do this on a one player basis, right? If the whole team decides that they are going to go in with a baseball style, and that means that you do get a full year of test cricket, and we, we're saying these are our best six batters, we know you're going to fail a couple of times, but go out there and have some fun with it. I think that actually on that side of things, you could, especially think about this, it's the end of the World Test Championship and West Indies can't make it, right? And they've got a bunch of test matches to play. They can experiment in a way that England Australia, India cannot because it would be the end of the world if one of those teams got bowled out for 35 trying baseball, right? So there is actually a freedom within it on the other side. So I get what he is saying. And his general point about the haves and the have-nots is 100% true. And also the amount of red ball cricket that is played. But the actual baseballing, I think if I'm coaching Sri Lanka or if I'm coaching West Indies, I'm trying to think somewhere else, maybe New Zealand as they start to collapse, I'd be going, there's some stuff here that we could use, right? Maybe not all of it, but there's certainly some stuff here that we could use and that we can do in a lower pressure situation. England did it only because it's easy to reshape your team when literally there is no team left to reshape. It's interesting what you said, though. If You, you said if you were coaching West Indies, and I think that is, for me, the major hole in Jason's argument because he's talking it from a player's point of view. He's saying that the players themselves feel stifled because say Jason Holder goes out and try, or any of the other players in the two test match series against Africa go out and they fail four times giving it a tonk, as it were, or trying to reverse sweep or, or do a bit of a baseball. They feel that their coach might drop them. Yeah. So that's why when you're saying that if I was the coach of, of West Indies, that this has to come from the top down. You know, Rob exactly. Key, Brendan McCullum, and the captain, Ben Stokes, told the players and told anyone who would listen, the media, every press conference, that we are allowing our players to go out and fail because we want to recalibrate the way that we go out and back because we think that, yes, we might collapse and, we, and we've got conservatism to fall back on, but our default will be to attack. If they select a team of, of if Nicholas Porra makes the side and... 
I don't know who else, uh, Odia Smith or Shimron Heckmeyer are selected in the test team and they say, okay, this, this is how we're going to go about it, fine. But look at the team that, that they select for South Africa. Look at the team that South Africa select for the West Indies. Why is Brebus not getting a first-class game? If the entire ecosystem within these smaller countries wanted to play baseball, I believe that they could. But because the boards themselves are, are so stifled by the fear of failure, the players themselves don't feel like they can baseball. And so the gap just widens. Yeah, I say, that's a bit I don't agree with. I, I agree with the bit that if Brevis isn't playing first-class cricket, then you're not even putting yourself in a position to baseball, right? Mm. But what I don't agree with is the thought that they're doing it because they're conservative. They're doing it because they haven't actually decided to try something new, right? It's not that they're conservative. No, until this, no, we hadn't had as big a shift in cricket really since West Indies. Right. Even mm -hmm. even Australia, Australia did it from a position of strength and they went, we're going to up our scoring rate a little bit. OK, mm -hmm. England didn't up their scoring rate a little bit. They doubled their scoring rate in some cases. Right. That's a big shift. And I think that it makes sense for those other teams not to do it. But also you need the right coach, as you said, and the captain and everything else. And so I completely understand all that. But what I'm saying is it does have to be from the top down. If you're an individual player and you try let let's say Blackwood, who's, you know, it's always a bit controversial in the West. If he suddenly says, well, I'm going to go out there and try and score a strike rate of 105 in every game. If he gets bowled out for under 30 three times in a row, that's it. That's the end of his career, right? It can't be one play. And that's why in some ways, the smaller teams have that ability. But the other thing is a big team did this because of how bad they had become, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of irrelevant, mediocre and smaller teams in test cricket who have never come to that point yet, right? Sri Lanka, you could argue over the last four years that Sri Lanka had a chance. I think the reason that teams don't baseball is because England is the only team in world cricket who could score at a run a ball in one day cricket. And that is the skill that is actually the most important in this. But there are little things that you can do in baseball that I think these teams could do. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. So for instance, what I've started noticing is a big part of baseball isn't the attacking shots. It's the fact that England don't let you bowl length. Whatever mm. length you want to bowl, they will shuffle their feet and change it, or they will move where they are in the crease. They'll bat back, they'll bat forward, which means that seam bowlers who've just been hitting the same length their whole life suddenly can't do that, and that completely changes it, right? Mm. West Indies could do that. Any West Indian batter could do that right now, right? And we've already seen, there's already been a counter move. New Zealand won that last test with the keeper up at the stumps. So we're already seeing the first counter move of Bazbold, which we didn't really see before. But there are little things like that that I think teams could do. For instance, the Stuart Broad role, right? Tim Southey could do that. That would demoralize teams if he went in and hit four sixes before stumps, right? So there are other things that you could do within baseball and fielding positions and all sorts of things. I think it's a bit reductive to say only a rich team could do it. But I also think that the way that England did it could only be done by then. But that doesn't mean that another team can't go, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. What do we do well? Because that's all England did really, at the end of the day. What do we do well? We smash a white ball everywhere. Can we do that here? So West Indies could go, what do we do well? South Africa, New Zealand, whoever else, Sri Lanka, all those sorts of teams could do that sort of stuff. If they're sitting there going, England's only doing this because they're rich, I think they're kind of wrong. 
And I also think mm. that's the worst way to think about it. You should be thinking, we can have more risks here rather than anyone else. Yeah, th- they can only do it because they're rich. It's almost like shaking your hands at capitalism, fucked up though it may be, and just thinking, well, I'm never going to be a success in business. Yeah, the odds are against you, but there's absolutely no reason. Yeah, I want to talk about Blackwood. So we're recording this on the 2nd of March. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, peeping behind the curtain. But uh, South Africa have just beaten the West Indies by a fair bit. I can't remember what it was. But Jermaine Blackwood scored 79 of 93. And it's so interesting what you're talking about, hitting bowlers off their length. Because that's what he was doing to Anik Nokia. He was doing it to Kalisa Rabada. He was just standing out of his crease and he was turning good length balls into half volleys. And then he moved all the way back into his crease. And he was sort of flaying it on the up through a vacant cover. South Africa had four slips at the stage or whatever it was. They were chasing the wind which they would eventually get. So, yeah, the raw materials are there. I don't want you to, and I'm not saying you are, but I think anyone listening to this, I don't want you to discount the internal pressure of the batter under pressure. Just look at Zach Crawley. Zach Crawley does not exist in any other country. I mean, he might not exist in England anymore. Maybe that is the lot. Maybe that is the, I mean, he'll exist, but not as a test cricketer. Basball doesn't whack those who who are struggling. But he wouldn't have got those chances. And if, a player like, let, let's let's think of, of a Saro Irvia, Zabir Hamza. You know, these players who came into the side after a weight of runs. I loved your, uh, a big shout out to your uh, video on the, the South African batters who get in the side after a weight of runs after three seasons, realize they're not good enough and then are, are cast away. You know, if you're a guy like, I don't know, Keegan Peterson, and you're in the side, and you're looking at it and you think, okay, well, I want a bass ball, but everyone's come in and gone. Man, I'm I'm nervous now. I'm just scared. Like I don't want to. Yeah. I, I I can't flash outside the off stump. I can't baseball, even though even if my coach told me I could. No, I think that's fair. The interesting thing is that Alex Davy and Zach Crawley both did it right, and they're not traditionally those kinds of players. You know, they're not white ball smashers in the same way. So we know that you can free up batter's mind, but one of those is gone. That's right. He was actually dropped. Zach Crawley's almost, as you say, is so different. They have invested so much time in him. It's almost sunk cost fallacy at this point where they're like, he's eventually going to make it, so we're going to keep investing in him, which it doesn't look like he's going to, but good luck to them. But what I would say is, what it has allowed is, a lot of those South African players you're talking about, they average in the mid-30s, right? Low 30s to mid-30s, and South Africa get rid of them. What was Bairstow's average, Right. There is the ability to unlock someone who has some batting talent. I think when you're talking about the players, all the players you're talking about there are probably not the right kind of players. Mm. But Gunnerman Milan might be the right kind mm. of player. Rassi mm. might be the right kind of player. There are guys around who perhaps can score it around a runner ball, and we know they're good enough to score against the top-level white ball bowlers in the world. You could bring them back in. But realistically, it doesn't matter if it's Keegan Peterson or it's Zach Crawley. If it's not a structural thing, and it has to be a structural thing. You can't have one player baz ball on their own, right? Mm, <laughs> mm. There's a reason why Saywag, Gilchrist, Quentin de Kock have strike rates that don't look like anyone else's in world's cricket. It's impossible to do that unless you are freakishly talented. And the guys we're talking about are not on their level, right? So if you want it, it has to be a full frontal assault and it has to be everyone. But I'm not actually saying that you need to up your strike rate because I think baz ball... We get fascinated by that. But if you go back, Brendan McCullum played a lot of very defensive innings as well. And there have been times when England, even within this new theory, have tried different kinds of ways of doing it. For me, baseball is more, what do we do well? What can we triple down on? And I think if you're thinking about it in any other way, 
Because I don't think there's another team in the world who could actually score at a run of ball consistently like England. And if they could have, they should have been doing it in one-day cricket. Maybe India, but even India play with an inherent conservatism to their game. But essentially, what can you do that actually suits what you do? Because if you go back to, as I said, the last big change was the West Indies, right? What did Clive Lloyd do? He went, we keep picking spinners. We don't have a world-class spinner at the moment. Other teams are better at playing spin than we are. And we're getting into this shootout with teams with second-rate spinners. What do we have a lot of? Fast bowlers. Let's go with that. And with all due respect to South Africa, I know you probably know I'm absolutely obsessed with what they do with the number seven batting position. But they are basically saying in all forms of cricket, we're going in with five bowlers because this is what is best for us. Now, I might disagree with it, but I actually think maybe they have had better results because they've done that, than they would have had if they've gone in with an average player at number seven. That's the sort of thing that you can really, really commit to. And I think that what Basball should be doing for a smaller team with no money is, okay, now there's nothing on the table. Let's start again. Who's our best eight players? What do they all do? They might all be batters. They might all be spinners. They might all be wicket keepers. Then you'd be Sri Lanka. But <laughs> let, let's look at our best eight players and then let's build a style of cricket around that that works. And I think that is completely on the table for any team. That's such a good way of thinking of it. You know, and I hadn't done that before. Thinking of basketballers, what are we good at? And let's just double down on that. Because uh, like you say, England are good at power hitting and scoring runs very quickly. They haven't really done anything to their bowling. Their bowling stayed the same. Robinson's been a find, I suppose, and that, that's really helped. But they still got a pretty average spinner. They're still insecure about their keeper. But... But it's about selections then, right? That's what we're talking about. And let's talk about South Africa. I mean, in this first test, they selected Janssen as number seven and Mursami is the spinning all round at eight. He bowled, how many overs did he bowl in the first innings? He bowled eight overs in the first innings, didn't bowl in the second innings and made no runs. So that's just a sign that South Africa are continuing to, we use the word conservatism a, a few times in this chat and I don't know if you cringed at it earlier, but it's not quite the right word, but I think people know what I mean. There's like a proper way of playing test cricket. Yeah. And Tem Bavuma, in his first pre-match chat as test captain, by the way, I think the third man to make a pair in his debut as captain, was like, we're going to play to our traditional strengths and our traditional values. And he speaks about, you know, we, we can scoff at Bazball and Nighthawk and, and all that and, and think it's built an ideology, but it's almost like, so is every other team. But what is your ideology? Is your ideology, are you beholden to the ideology of test, capital T, there's a right way of doing it? Or are you beholden to what is good for you? You know, it's almost like you're continuing to be vegan while still being anemic. It's like, I don't know, if veganism works for you and you're healthy and you could be Arnold Schwarzenegger who's who's realized that, that eating too much meat was bad for his liver or whatever the case was, you know, great. But if you need to have some chicken, just have some chicken. <laughs> this, meta this metaphor has become messy. I love that also because in South Africa, they believe chicken is salad. So it's, a, it's an even better metaphor from you, the way that you brought all that together. But think about it this way. South Africa have been almost from 1890 all the way through to now, I've always believed that you need five bowlers, right? Mm. At the moment, they still believe that you need five bowlers, but they have no all-rounder to make that work, right? Mm. And so... Simon Harmer bats at seven and Marco Janssen bats at seven and anyone who looks like an all-rounder bats at seven, right? Well, we are Mulder. Like, how many times did he have to fail? It just wasn't going to work, right? And so my point is, he talks about being true to their thoughts and Temba's a smart dude and, you know, there's, there's some good, smart people around him as well. Maybe they sit back and they go, what is it with us and the five bowlers? Our bowlers are great. 
Do we need five bowlers? And maybe we only need five bowlers away from home. Maybe we need six bowlers away from home, but we only need four bowlers at home. And they could start to look at changing it that way. And I think once you open up to that sort of thinking, you can look at every part of your game. And the biggest problem with professional sport is, and you've said it a couple of times, that there's a right way to do it, Mm -hmm. right? And there isn't. And baseball has just shown us that. And sport actually constantly evolves. For generations, people bowled at the stumps. Then for generations, people bowled outside the stumps, right? Then for generations, people bowled outside the stumps, back of a length. Then DRS comes in and everyone starts bowling at the stumps again. But everyone believes, oh, the right way to bowl is whatever people are bowling. Now, they haven't even noticed all the generational changes that have led to the different lines and lengths that have been used in test cricket, right? And that is, I suppose, what I'm trying to say is when something like baseball comes about, and it was exactly the same, when Australia started scoring quicker, what also happened is we started using fielders on the boundary, right? Mm. So Saywag would come in and you'd have a deep point, right? You know, the Australians would be attacking and you put someone out. If Michael Vaughan had sat there and just went, we'll just keep all the fielders in, that's what Australia were hoping would happen because that's what they wanted. They wanted to be able to hit a bunch of boundaries early on, knock the new ball old, and then score 400 runs in a day. It's much harder to do that when you've got a deep point and deep back at square leg because your two obvious boundary positions have gone, right? Mm. If you don't evolve with a change, you don't get better. <laughs> you stay the same. And if you're doing that from, this would be like, I, I, I don't know, duck, duck, go. Have you heard of Duck, Duck, Go? The, yeah, of course. The, so. Yeah. yeah. So, that, you know, if they're fighting Google, I'd be shocked if they're sitting in a meeting and go, we have to do what Google do. They're sitting mm. in the meeting and go, okay, what can we do that Google would never be able to do now? Right? What can we do that suits us to take on Google? And maybe we never end up as big as Google, but we're never going to to start with. But we could throw a couple of punches here because we're Duck, Duck, Go and they're Google and that's okay. And I think that, That's where a lot of international teams should be. But I think they're back where you said before, where they're like, whoa, we've only got six tests this year, right? We can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It comes comes full circle to what we're saying because, and that's also one of the interesting parameters about cricket, you know, in rugby or football or any other sport where you can make substitutions, you can go in with a plan A, but you can fall back on a plan B. I think back to, I I keep talking about South Africa, obviously, but when South Africa just crushed England by an innings at Lord's, and then they go to Manchester and they see a bit of drizzle in the air and they reckon Simon Harm is going to have a, have, be a gun on that track. So they select him and, and bowl first. And that's where they lose the series from there. You know, they, they had they, they batted the first, didn't they? Yes, of course. They batted first. When bowling first was the right option. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's um, right. They bat first because they've got the second spinner and they want to be bowling on the fourth day. And England are like, thanks a lot, guys. We'll happily do that. We'll bowl undercover and we'll skittle you for whatever and, and we'll win the series that way. So because cricket is... You, you play with the team you got. There's so much riding on you getting your strategy right mm. up front because you, you don't have that plan B. But if you've only got those six tests, if South Africa goes out and says, we're going to have four quicks and we're going to, we're going to have seven batters, but our four bowlers are tired and our Aiden Markham has to bowl 20 overs in a game and he goes at four and over and you lose by a lot. Well, then Temba Bavuma has to sit there to all the journalists like me who have you know, been drinking the night before and saying, why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? And everyone's writing him off and race comes into it and it's a whole thing and Temba's having sleepless nights. You, you can understand why, why he wouldn't want to do that. But if he had 12 tests and he was playing four series against mm-hmm. four different nations and they, you know, he, he was going around the world and you know, maybe he could say, hey, this away series in Bangladesh or this home series against Zimbabwe or whatever the case is, like we can have a go. And it's such a pertinent point that you made. 
when England started basballing, they were rubbish. They were a terrible team. Th- their plans A to D had all failed. It's almost like, and I, I did write this in my piece, basball is as much a sign of England's privilege as it is of their gumption. And I don't think, I wouldn't want to present a scenario where one was more important than the other. I think that basball is very much a consequence of their privilege, but you'd be a fool if you said that, that what they did wasn't innovative. And that innovation was born out of desperation as well. Yeah. When you're talking about the timber thing, I think that's very fair. But the other thing I would say is, uh, South Africa doing better than I'm aware of? Are they no. in the top four in the world? Are they a constant threat for the World Test Championship? Do you know what I mean? And this goes back to the England thing. So when mm-hmm. I did my big research on India, it was a huge project that I did. You know, It took me however long to put it together. And the thing I kept coming back to was India are too good. They should be worse. If India were worse, it's easier to rip it up and start again. And the big problem for Indian cricket is that they're actually quite good. That's not the case for all these other teams. But anyway, Mm. thank you very much for coming on. Great chat. And I'm sure you'll come on again soon. And I only say that based on the fact that, depending on which episode I put up first, you might already be in the system to come on again. (laughs) Thanks, Jan. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening. There is more information on my guests in the show notes. Please support them where you can, but also support us. If you can't help out on Patreon, every single review, share, or word of mouth suggestion to your friend helps us. However, this podcast is made available by the people who support us at Patreon, so thank you to all of those who do. There is a link to the Patreon in the show notes. Red Inker is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCorriston makes the best audio anyone can from random Zoom calls. We also have a great support team from 42, with Rati Joshi on socials, Orijoti Senapia, and Meda Akam producing some of the shows, and Makanda Banredi as the head of YouTube content. Our theme tune is by the Red Cricket. Podcast Network.